kid. Honestly, I can go on and on. I can explain every natural phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was Maui just messing around. I killed a eel, I buried its guts. Sprouted a tree, now you got coconuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with Maui when he's on a breakaway. In the tapestry here on my skin is a map of the victories I win. Look where I've been and make everything happen. Look at that mini mountain. Yeah, that part's really bad. Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the adventure. Welcome to the Christ Culture. This is Steve. And this is Clint. Well, Clint, uh, it has been a grand total of five to ten minutes since our recording of part <laughs> one of the Moana podcast. Welcome back for part two. Yeah. You guys great. Yeah, you guys had to wait a little bit longer than we did. We literally just took enough time to refill our teacups. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the tea because it's always great. Yeah. In between, I asked Clint how work was going and he was like, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. So I, I, went, I went and I gave him a hug and then he was just like, how do you still smell good? It's the end <laughs> of the day. And I was like, I don't know. I just am naturally like this. Well, when you work with small children and you're constantly sweating, I'm just used to being gross all the time. Maybe. So. Yeah, when you work with people, then you guess it's different. <laughs> yeah. Because children are not people. Children are not people, apparently. It's a, it's a okay. joke, okay? I don't believe that. <laughs> Okay, so like we said, this is part two of our Moana series, two-part series. So we are going to be covering a little bit of the second half. So if you haven't heard the first one yet, we are going to make some references to the part one. So go ahead and check out part one first and then come back and listen to this one because there's some things in there we'll tie into. So check it out. But we're going to go right into the rest of the movie now. So yeah. So last we left off, Moana had just learned about her ancestors. So she was talking about her call and, and all that. What happens next is we actually see that Moana's grandmother passes away. And the last thing she says is that she needs to go and answer the call that she had been receiving from the water, which we already said is is God, right? And we see Moana take off. She, she goes in the ship. All these things happen. There's a storm. And while she's trying to sail to go find Maui, uh, who's another character played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and restore that heart, which when it was stolen brought all the death, she's trying to give the heart back. When she's doing that, she actually falls asleep in the middle of the night and she wakes up and she's completely disoriented. Has no idea where she's going. And she says, Ocean, can I get a little help? So that's kind of like a prayer. God, can you help me out here? And that's when a storm comes. She panics, and the next thing we see, she's crashed on a beach. And I love this next part, because it's kind of funny, 
But I, I want you to just listen to the words for a second. She's like, um, what? I said, help me. And wrecking my boat is not helping. And then she gets really mad and says, fish peeing you all day. And that's kind of her insult to the ocean. And I love this because this is very much how we yell at God a lot of the times when we ask for help and we don't get exactly what we want or doesn't seem like we get exactly what we want. We're just like, I said, help me. And you didn't. And now I'm mad at you and fish pee in you. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't always get what we want. Yeah. But if you try sometimes, you oh just might find. Okay. You get what you need. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to point out is if you remember what happens exactly after this is she turns around and who's on the island? Maui. Maui. The exact person that she was looking for. And so she turns back to the ocean and is like, wait, is that Maui? And the ocean like nods its wave saying yes. And she's like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. That sometimes God uses things that... It goes about it in ways that we might not necessarily like or understand. Right. But he's ultimately giving us what we need and getting mm-hmm. us where we need to be. Right. And that very much goes with this idea of trusting in the call, which we've already talked about a little bit with how she's called to go out into the waters and stuff like that. So this idea of trust, the way that we're called, it may not be the way that we expect to be called. And actually, I would say 99.999% of the time, it's not going to be what we expect because... We don't think like God. That's mm-hmm. just how it works. Yeah, I don't think our little finite minds could do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we, we can't even fathom the plan. So it's never going to be what we expect. And so in this, we are then introduced to the giant character of Maui. And we actually have a Maui figure on the table too. Just like last week, we had the, the Hey Hey figure. So fun times when we have Disney toys as part of our podcast recording session. But I kind of want to look at Maui. Uh, We see that he is extremely prideful. He thinks that she's coming to the island just to get a signature from him, which he calls a tweet, totally breaking the, the fourth wall there. And as we learn about his story, we see that he was just really hurt and he was actually abandoned by his parents as a child. And mm-hmm. everything he did, the reason why he stole the heart of Tefiti in the first place was because he was seeking this love and affirmation. But in, in doing that, he actually brought death into the world through his, his sin. And I think in most cases, we sin because we want to do something good, not because we want to do something bad. I think in general, most people think that through a sin, they're trying to bring about something good. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to go out and do something bad just for the sake of it being bad. Don't get me wrong. I think that does happen. But I think a lot of the times when we sin, it's just because we think that the sin will give us something better. We're seeking good in... I mean, the word sin is like a French archery term that means like to miss the mark, right? Mm-hmm. It's this idea of you're aiming downrange, you're just not hitting the target. Yeah. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's the idea of this podcast is recognizing the orientation of our heart. Like what is it that our heart's desiring and what's that proper, what's that properly oriented towards? Right. You know, 
what is the end of those things we're seeking mm-hmm. yeah so we we see that there, there's a lot of hurt in maui and you know, we kind of see the progression as that goes on but one thing he says when moana is they kind of start journeying together one thing he says when she asks the ocean for help is the ocean doesn't help you you help yourself and this reminded me of a phrase that i think a lot of atheists say nowadays if you replace ocean with god god doesn't help you you help yourself yeah. i think that's a very kind or, of or the yeah or the uh notion of like god helps those who help themselves mm. i hear you hear that a lot yeah and it's this idea that like no god god helps you <laughs> because you can't help yourself right like that's the point because we and ourselves are not sufficient Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that it's like christians who almost have a deist idea of god Mm -hmm. where we think that like oh well god hasn't answered my prayer exactly how i want it so therefore because god's up here and i'm down here and like we just shoot up our prayers and he zaps out some magic like a genie and fixed our problems right and we're missing the point that that's not the God that we profess, that our God is actually not up here while we're down here. He's down here with us amidst our suffering. He is hanging on the cross when we are in those struggles. I think so. that really makes sense with Maui too, because we see that because of the pain and the suffering that he had with his his parents early on in his life, he has kind of this, this hurt. And I think a lot of the times when people have this separation of us being down below and God being up in the sky and that relationship you were just describing, when that's all we see God as, when we have that hurt, it's so much easier to be separated when we have some kind of thing that happens in our life that's not good. To just blame God and say, well, you're not helping me, so you're not here. You don't exist. And so it's really easy to have this kind of atheistic idea i think and kind of fall away from any deism Mm -hmm. so i think that kind of makes sense and so at this point early on in the movie we see him as kind of this atheist figure i think but even with all of his faults he is very much still an important figure and we kind of see his transformation throughout and we see that moana really counted on maui in a lot of ways because even though she was called And she had this determination to follow that call. She honestly, she just lacked the basic skills of anything important off of the island, including sailing. And we see this once they start traveling together. She knows literally nothing about sailing. Completely just fails, doesn't know what anything is. And Maui says, it's called wayfinding princess. It's not just sails and knots. It's seeing where you are going in your mind, knowing where you are by knowing where you have been. And I want to ask your opinion on, on that. So this idea of it, it's more than just sales and knots. It's seeing where you are going in your mind and then knowing where you are by knowing where you have been. In a lot of ways we learn from our pasts that it's important to remember where we've come from. You know, I know that in a lot of times like of difficulty for my faith thinking of my testimony and where i've come from and how god has worked in my past and seeing how he's fulfilled promises not just to me but throughout history right Mm -hmm. like that's the the beauty of our faith um is it's two thousand 
years old, our church, but also goes beyond past that into the ancient, into ancient Israel, right? And this idea that God makes these promises and fulfills them, that God fulfills his promises. And, you know, just as the Israelites were able to look back and say, well, he fulfilled that promise, so he'll fulfill this one, we can look back and, well, I'm struggling with this, but God has fulfilled this. You know, mm-hmm. God is a God who fulfills his promises and that, you know, like we can know where we are by looking at where we've been and recognizing where we are and being humble enough to say, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I've come from where I've come from. Mm-hmm. You know, th- I'm not there yet, but thank God I'm not where I was. Right. I'm recognizing how God has done that. My spiritual director used to talk about this. He wanted me to journal. And recently I just had a friend who told me to uh, start. The reason that journaling was important, not just to be an external processor, but it was really helpful for me in spiritual direction. And my, my spiritual director wanted me to do this because I was able to look back and he was able to look back and ask me questions of like, oh, how's this thing happening? And I'm like, oh, I, I guess it was good. Like I didn't even haven't talked about it. And it's like, yeah, I used to talk about it like every spiritual direction session for months. And for the past six months, you've never even mentioned it. And isn't it amazing how God took care of that even when you weren't paying attention? Mm-hmm. And so that's like really nice thing about spiritual journaling and like journaling those things is you realize how God takes care of these things even when you're not necessarily paying attention. Right. Um, and you don't realize that he is at work even when he is always at work. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was thinking there too. Just kind of looking at our past and seeing where, where we grow from that. We can't stay there. You right. Know? Yeah. Past yeah. is dead. So. Yeah. I think we've talked about it before on here where even when we are kind of staying in one spot, it's almost like we're still falling behind because when we stay complacent somewhere, we're digressing rather than mm-hmm. progressing. Yeah. We need to be constantly moving forward, constantly growing. So we see them continue on their journey. I kind of skipped over the you're welcome song that you heard us singing at the beginning but we see them go on their journey and they come across some different enemies and whatnots so the one that i really want to point out though is this giant crab called tamatoa so we get to go into his really funky layer and talking to people after the movie i don't know what your thoughts are about this but there's a lot of people who really don't like that part of the story. And I'll admit, I don't think it's the best part of the story, but it's kind of fun, interesting. I actually like it. Like, really, really like it? Not, like, excessively like it, but I actually didn't mind it. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was interesting. It plays, in, in my mind. Sure, yeah, go. It plays a really nice parallel to Maui. Because in a lot of ways, Tamatoa and Maui are both seeking this love and affirmation. Mm-hmm. And Toa wants all these shiny gems. He wants to look fancy. He wants, he's chasing things that are shiny. You know, you talk about that as like a joke of like chasing sin, but he's literally chasing what is shiny. Yeah. And he's masking himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he, and I think we have that urge to mask our ugliness. Yeah. That we, that we feel that we're broken and that innately we're, we're disgusting. And so we want to mask our brokenness from others, even though there's a beauty in taking off that mask mm-hmm. and there's an authenticity there and a vulnerability and that's where love is found. But yeah, I mean, really this song is just the, my heart is restless until it rests in you, God, like just seeking the things that won't actually fulfill and you just always need more and more shiny things mm-hmm. and it's never enough. 
And I think that that contrasts well with Maui, who was seeking the affirmation of others. And it wasn't necessarily wearing, it was, it was wearing a mask, but in a different way, right? He wasn't actually hiding behind shiny things. Right. Like in a lot of ways, Tamatoa is Maui. If he continued to get all the affirmation that he wanted, he would just keep taking and taking and finding the things that he wanted. Yeah. It's kind of this idea of how we talk about Peter and and Judas Mm -hmm. had a lot of similarities in in that they Mm -hmm. betrayed Christ. But the difference is Peter, uh, acknowledged that and came back to Christ Mm -hmm. seeking forgiveness, whereas Judas did not. And I actually want to agree with that because if we look at Maui, he has this really strange connection with his hook Mm -hmm. too, that I want to add to that. So we see this greed of Tamatoa, but we also see this greed of, of Maui in the way that he views his hook. And even says at one point in the movie later on, without my hook, I am nothing. Mm hmm. And we've talked about stuff like this in previous episodes, so I don't want to just like drag into it. But when we place our identity into these things, we lose that identity. So check Mm -hmm. out some of our previous episodes on identity if you want to hear more about that. But I I just want to draw this connection back to where we see this this play back and forth between Maui and Tamatoa. And I think what happens, I'm going to go forward to the end of the movie, we see him damage his hook mm-hmm. and when that happens he just gives up on the mission and he leaves and he says i'm not going to risk my hook because that's who i am and i can't lose my hook right but then eventually spoiler alert he comes back and he's willing to risk his hook because he believes in, in the call mm-hmm. right and so he ends up destroying his hook to save moana and this beautiful thing happens when they win and everything's all bright and shiny in life again the goddess Tefiti makes a new hook for him. Yeah, restores his And it's this idea that when we offer our gifts, these gifts that we might even be placing our identity into, when we offer that up to the call, to the mission that Christ is giving us, we are given that and so much more. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily in, in physical things, but in, in other ways, in graces and, and spiritual gifts. Going back... Sure. Yeah, we're jumping all over. Yeah, all over. Because as you were saying all of these things, it, it brought some other things to my mind. And then I was looking at the song, the lyric, yet I give my credit, give you credit for my start and your tattoos on the outside for just mm-hmm. like you, I've made myself a work of art. I'll never hide. I can't, right? That even Maui has like these tattoos that like almost he defines yeah. himself by these victories because he's, he's ashamed that he lost and he doesn't have one tattoo. Mm-hmm. You know, that tattoo didn't appear because he lost. But... I think in a lot of ways, Tamatoa like represents sin, like this glitter, yeah. right? So he says, I'd rather be shiny like a treasure from the sunken pirate wreck. Um, he's like, fish are dumb, dumb, dumb. They chase anything that glitters, beginners. Oh, and here they come, come, come to the brightest thing that glitters. Mmm, fish dinners, right? Like Satan is a lion who prowls about the world yeah. seeking the ruin of souls. Like he is looking to not just like defeat us. He's seeking to devour us, that mm-hmm. he is this shiny thing and he wants to attract us so that we're close enough to be devoured. Right. And I I love that you bring that up because I think it's so obvious that Tamatoa, even though a lot of people kind of brush over him, he is one of the major bad guys in the story. There are, there are several, but I think he is one of the major ones. And we so easily recognize that, that he is not good. And yet when we look at this song, and the way that Tamatoa goes about himself, this really reminds me of a lot of people today. 
and especially maybe people in very powerful positions, you know, he's, he's greedy mm-hmm. and, and he wants to possess mm-hmm. these things. You know, and I think that's a very, very common thing in our mm-hmm. uh, modern culture, especially in America. And the thing that really drives me nuts in this comparison, and you just said it with that fish line, he says, fish are dumb, dumb, dumb. They chase anything that glitters beginners. And I think this is a lot like when people take advantage of those who are weaker or mm-hmm. less powerful. Yeah. We see this idea that I have power and these stupid fish are going to come after what I have and they want it. And that's going to be a chance for me to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Going back to last week, uh, part one of this, this session, we talked about the yeah. Chris Pratt mm-hmm. video for the MTV awards. And he said something along the lines of strength and intelligence are weapons. Do not wield them against those who are less powerful than you. That is called bullying or something like that. And that's really exactly what Tomato was trying to do here. He's trying to use his power and his shininess mm-hmm. to lure in those who are weaker so he can take advantage right. of them. And there's also this like vanity in the very first lines oh, of yeah. uh, Because I'm Beautiful Baby. Did your granny say, listen to your heart? Be who you are on the inside. I use, I need three words to tear her argument apart. Your granny lied. And that's ultimately like what Satan doesn't want is us to listen to our hearts and to respond to God's call. Like he wants us to feed this, to feel, it's almost like the, the, the original fall, right? Like Mm -hmm. the original sin, like is, is casting doubt on God's good intentions, right? That God somehow lied to us. Like, you know, Hey, don't eat of this. This isn't good for you. Oh, it won't kill you. He lied. Mm -hmm. God lied. He isn't out for your good and it's this idea of your granny lied like you shouldn't be following this this holy person who's trying to guide you yeah like you shouldn't follow this yeah and i think that uh in a lot of ways i like this song despite that it doesn't really fit in thematically and it is kind of a weird part in the movie there's a lot of really good parts to it yeah if you're paying attention i do want to jump back to that line you were talking about though with the your granny lied i I love that he says, I need three words to tear your argument apart. Your granny lied. That's it. He doesn't use logic. He doesn't use reasoning. It's just, mm-hmm. well, they lied. And I think a lot of the times that's what Satan uses. It's, it's, it's not... the father of lies. Yeah. So yeah. Th- there's a lot of the times it's, it's, he uses just basic things to try and trick us. And, mm-hmm. and there's, there's not yeah. much reason behind it. It kind of reminds me, and this is off, ba- off topic... But I think important to talk about, in a lot of way, in a lot of sense, like one of the words, one of the um, names of Satan in scripture is the accuser, Yeah. right? That he makes these accusations. He accuses us and others of things, right? He almost builds this scapegoat mentality, right? Of mm-hmm. scapegoating, of accusing. But one of the main words used for the Holy Spirit is the advocate. Yeah. Which is the opposite of the accuser. That instead of accusing others, they the advocates for them. And I think that that's something in our lives that we sometimes have to reflect on is are we, are we accusing others or are we advocating for them? There's a difference between saying the woman you gave me and saying, mm, yes, if Adam would have said, I ate of the fruit and it, he's like, why did you? Oh, the woman you gave me gave it to me. There's a difference between saying, 
that happened and accusing her and saying, we were tricked and we're sorry. Mm -hmm. We were deceived. We made a mistake that Adam could have very easily advocated for Eve and being like, yeah, she gave it to me, but I ate of it. Right. That we made this mistake that you're going to advocate that you see this difference between that and the prophets like Abraham who is advocating that Sodom and Gomorrah don't get destroyed if there's righteous people there. Mm-hmm. For Moses, who's advocating that the people of Israel not be destroyed. That we're called not to be accusers, but we are called to be advocates. St. Faustina, who saw the angel of the Lord going to destroy the world and cried out, and that God was pleased, right? That, that God wants us to advocate because he, by his nature, advocates. Right. Yeah. So as the movie progresses, we kind of we see them go on from this layer of monsters, as they call it, and they have a little bit of tension, which would happen if it's just two people on a raft for days and days and days traveling across the ocean. And there's this point where Maui just keeps throwing Moana off the boat, <laughs> and the ocean just keeps putting her back on, and she gets put back on by the ocean. And she, she finally says, you don't want to talk, then don't talk. You want to throw me off, then throw me off. You want to tell me that I don't know what I'm doing? I know I don't. I have no idea why the ocean chose me, but my island is dying, so I am here. It's just me and you. And I want to help you, but I can't if you won't let me. And so there's two things that I want to point out here. The first thing is, not feeling worthy of the call. Mm-hmm. And secondly is vulnerability. So do you have anything you want to jump in? I know vulnerability is like a huge one for you too. So Yeah. It's a big thing that I talk about all the time to anyone who will listen. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in, in ministry. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's so important. Yeah. Um, I was actually just talking to one of our supporters the other day and we were talking about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he mentioned something that I thought was really good. I basically was talking about like, yeah, how vulnerability is like necessary for love. And he says, yes, exactly. And he's like, and where is it that the vulnerability is made and bred? Because I always talk about like, we need to be vulnerable. And I'm always like, yeah, we just need to be vulnerable. Like the thing. And he was like, yeah, but where is it that that's found? It's like in friendships, mm-hmm. right? That like the way that we call others to vulnerability is to love them and be their friend and build a relationship with them. That that's how the church was founded and spread was through friendships and he, he brought it and i never really thought of it this way but essentially you have like john the baptist who's telling andrew he's like that's the lamb of god and andrew's like i don't understand what you mean and he's like no like that's the lamb of god like he was telling his friend and then andrew and james like hung out with jesus and they were like oh my gosh this guy's amazing and they're like peter like you need to meet this guy that there's this relationship there's this friendship this is like we're friends and that's like where the gospel was spread and that's how you like the church went from 3,000 to the majority of the Roman Empire, which was like 30 something million, mm-hmm. right? That it grew that it grew like 400% per year, right? Not because people were standing there and proclaiming to big crowds, and that certainly happened, but it came with, especially when you would be killed to be a Christian, with saying, Hey, Clint, we're friends, and I want you to meet somebody, yeah, you know. It's the relationships. Mm-hmm. And it was this, this love and this vulnerability that was there. And I just thought that that, that, really, that really struck me. 
I actually, I think that's perfect because what happens right after this conversation is we see Maui starting to become a different person. You know, this is where their friendship really starts to take off. So I love that you say that it comes from mm-hmm. friendship because this is where it starts for them. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking this this episode and a little bit last week about how Moana is called to go out of the island and she's bringing this tradition and, and this relationship to Maui, who we just said a little bit ago was kind of like this atheist figure. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see his conversion, just like you were talking mm-hmm. about from that relationship, right? From that vulnerability that they start to have inside of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome. And I think it really starts with her being vulnerable too, saying, I don't know why I'm called for this. Clearly, uh-huh. I'm not good enough. I don't have the skills. Right. And I think there's something attractive about being vulnerable and being humble. About recognizing, you know, people always attack. You hear it all the time because people are like, oh, you Christians, you're not perfect. You're hypocrites. And, like, we just want to get across to them. Like, exactly. Like, I'm not a Christian because we're perfect. Like, it's because we recognize our imperfection that we right. realize we need God. Like, yeah. that we can't do it alone. That pride says that I have it all together, but that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth is I don't. Um, the truth is that I'm flawed and I have flaws and that, you know, and especially as men, as all you women can attest, we're always wrong. Like we, can't, like, we can't be right. And we need you to tell us what's the truth. Take notes, ladies. Steve has already figured out the lifelong lesson, so <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> Uh, I was having this conversation with a with a friend of mine, and she was like, "You figured it out. Like, yeah, you already you know. That's good. You're set set for life." Mm-hmm. Wise words, my father once told me. <laughs> yeah, and so as as we see this conversion, you know, they have this kind of just scene where it progresses the story, and they're on their journey, and their friendship really just blossoms. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Maui says. You know, the ocean used to love when I pulled up islands because your ancestors would sail the seas to find them. All these new lands and new villages, it was the water that connected them all. And if I were the ocean, I think I would be looking for a curly-haired non-princess to start that again. And I love that he says it's the water that connected them all. So we already said that, that's God. Mm -hmm. And if I were the ocean, God, I think I would be looking for a curly-haired non-princess, someone who seems insignificant, like we had just talked about, to do that great thing. Right. Which I love the non-princess because it's like a shot at the Disney princesses. This whole movie is just a shot yeah. at, at um, like, but, cliches. Right. And I think in a lot of ways, like where, um, you know, with the water, is you almost have like these water of baptism. Mm-hmm. But there's also this idea that when we're baptized, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is what connects the individual members of the bodies of the body of Christ, right. you know. And there's all these sorts of really deep theological things running in just really surface base ideas, mm-hmm. which I, I appreciate because it's almost like God is trying to reveal himself all the time. And all you yeah. have to do is open your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, just this idea that we don't need to be a quote unquote princess but we are being called to start this radical change to connect our people to the ocean once again. And this is the the call that we 
ourselves in 2018 are being called to do no matter who we are. And so after this, they are there. They're trying to restore the heart of Tafiti, and they meet Taka once again, which we already talked about how that went the first time. They failed miserably, and that's where their fight comes in. And so they're fighting, and Moana says to Maui, the ocean chose me, and Maui says, it shows wrong. So we see this idea that she she's just being accused of, I guess not accused, but told that her vocation, her call, is not right because they failed the first time through. She gets mad after she fails, and then Maui leaves, and she throws the heart into the ocean and yells at the ocean. And I think this is a moment of vulnerability with her and the ocean, kind of like us and God. She says, why did you choose me? I'm not the right person. You have to choose someone else. Choose someone else, please. And if every minister has not said this at some point in their life, then they're lying to themselves. Well, for our record... And our benefit. We are just in a long line of Elijah's uh, who was like, God, I'm done with this. And I, my favorite part of that story, though, is that God's like, okay, yeah, no, you can be done. Just go find Elisha and train him, which takes the rest of Elisha's life. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like Elijah continues to be a prophet. Well, And that's the thing with this, too. The ocean allows her to throw the stone back into the ocean. The ocean gives her the free will to do that and, mm-hmm. and to choose whether she's going to answer the call or not. Right. And when we see that, I think it takes a certain humility. Sometimes I think, you know, especially if you study theology, I, I spoke to one of the professors one time and he said one of the things that he has to deal with and work on, and sometimes you think about this and and I, I deal with this, is you hear a homily and you're like, oh, that's not how I would say it or we see like a church leader and you're just like, mm, like that's not how I would phrase that. And that's a bad way. Like I think it's a bad way to phrase that. And I think, you know, we're like critical and we're forgetting that God wants to use broken people, right? That nobody's perfect, right? That like we have to like swallow our own pride in those mm-hmm. moments and realize that God's working through them Yeah. in those words anyway. And maybe that's not how I would want to say it, but it doesn't matter how I want to say it because that's how God wants them to say it. Right. Because that's going to reach somebody's heart that the way I would say it would not. And there's that humility there and this humility of uh, God doesn't make bad decisions that, you know, yeah, like he chose Solomon and sure Solomon ended up choosing sin and doing some bad things in the end there, but God still chose him and the temple was built and things were perpetuated right that david made some really bad decisions but at the end of his life he was right there i mean he wrote the psalms yeah so and as we we kind of progress here we actually we kind of phase into a song that we talked a little bit on last week's part one and i want to bring that back so this is the song i am moana also known as song of the ancestors and i think this is probably my favorite Song Sorry, I stole your thing. thunder last week. No, no, no. It's totally fine because I think it's really important that we we bring back into that. So what happens is we see her in this moment of just completely giving up, throwing the stone back into the ocean, and then her grandma comes and, and talks to her after she's already dead. And so we see this connection again with the ancestors or the saints. 
and the saint kind of points her back in the right direction to answer the call. So Grandma Tala says, I know a girl from an island. She stands apart from the crowd. She loves the sea and her people, and she makes her whole family proud. And sometimes the world seems against you, and the journey may leave a scar. But scars heal and reveal just where you are. So this idea that the journey and, and the, the brokenness that we take on throughout it, we, we learn lessons from that, kind of like we talked about before. But the part that I really want to focus on is what you hinted at last week. Moana says, who am I? I'm a girl who loves my island and the girl who loves my sea. And that's what we talked about last week, this duality of loving both the old tradition and the new tradition. And they both call me. I've delivered us to where we are. I have journeyed farther. I am everything I've learned and more. And still it calls me. And the call isn't out there at all. It's inside of me. And so this idea that God is, is calling us from within. It's like the tide always falling and rising. I will carry you here in my heart. And you'll remind me that come what may, I know the way. I am Moana. Mm-hmm. And I said this right at the beginning of last week's episode. Moana means ocean. And so again, we see this draw back into the identity that yeah. she's rediscovering that she is a daughter of God. Right. And that this call is inside of who she is. Right. It's a very part of what she was created to be. Yeah. And, and I love that this is her realizing, and she's actually helped out by her grandmother, who says mm-hmm. she loves the sea and her people. Yeah. Right. That she's like being called like, in, in a lot of ways I read a saint and I'm like, oh, like this saint's teaching me about who I am. Yeah. You know? Um, the other thing too is, and nothing on earth can silence the quiet voice still inside you. Mm-hmm. And when that voice starts to whisper, Moana, you've come so far. It reminds me, we talked about Elijah, but that quietness that's still that God quiet speaks, voice. like that still quiet voice that it's, that it's not these storms and big bright lights or shiny things mm-hmm. that God is this quiet voice inside and that we need to, take time in silence to hear that voice. And she says it's still inside of you. Cause I think mm-hmm. she, she mentions this at the beginning of the movie before she passes away. But in this moment of difficulty mm-hmm. where Moana is no longer hearing that voice, yeah. she's like, it's still there. You just need to listen again. Mm-hmm. That call is still there. Yeah. So. And that line of what does the voice whisper Moana? You've come so far that, that like God, yeah, he's always calling us forward and he's still, right? It even says like, it still calls me, right? Still yeah. it calls me. So it's calling me further, but like God does that. Like he'll call us further, but he helps us recognize like you've come a long way. Right. Now keep coming. Now keep like coming. look how far you've come. You can make it that much further. Kind of reminds me of uh, the movie Shrek, the original Shrek, mm-hmm. where Shrek's trying to get Donkey to cross the bridge. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't look back. And he's like, realizes that he's already crossed the bridge by the time he realizes he's like part yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. A completely random side note, but that's just, yeah, no, I mean, these things all, all uh, tie in. So what happens after that is Moana goes on and she's like, okay, even if I have to do this by myself, I need to attempt to answer this call. So she goes on and she, she's going and going. And eventually, like we said, Maui comes back to help her out, but she's going at it by herself. Hey, Hey helps her out in the end. And she gets there and she's getting ready to put the heart back in Tafiti. And she realizes Tafiti's gone because, spoiler alert, Tafiti actually became Taka. So the evil 
demon when the heart was taken away. So what happens is Moana says this beautiful line, and this is this is just like an absolutely beautiful scene in general, but she starts to walk towards Taka, this fire demon, and says, let her come to me. And the ocean just parts. And obviously there's some minor draws there to the parting of the Red Sea. But what I want to draw our attention to is when Moana says, let her come to me, it sounds a lot like Jesus saying, let the children come. Or the story of the mm-hmm. blind Bartimaeus uh, in, in Mark. Call him. Yeah. Bring them to me. Uh, this idea that the healing begins when we answer that call and we push past the fear. And we, yeah, let and we just love. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. And so this... I really, really want to dive into this next song that she sings. Which is very short. To Taka. It's super short. But I think it's also one of the most powerful spiritually. Mm-hmm. And it almost is like this song, even though it's Moana singing to Taka, who it's like a human singing to the God figure. Yeah. It's it's actually kind of reversed roles. Right. This is like, would be God's song to us. Yeah. So as, as I read through this, just imagine this as God speaking to you. All right. So the song goes like this. I have crossed the horizon to find you. I know your name. They have stolen the heart from inside it. But this does not define you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. And this is that idea that we we find our identity again in God. You are not the sum of your sins and mistakes. And this really comes from the line... They may have stolen the heart from inside of you. You may have become a fire demon. And sometimes we become fire demons. But this does not define who you are when you do that. And now that she is able to recognize her own identity in the last song, Moana is able to be that vessel through which God helps others remember their identity again. And in this scene, we see something that Jesus is notorious for. Choosing those who do not seem like good candidates to do something that is great. You know, Jesus always chooses fishermen, tax collectors, all that stuff like that. And going back to earlier on in the story, we actually hear Maui is making fun of Moana. This is before they were friends. And he says, oh, the ocean chose you. You're what? Eight. You can't sail. Yeah. Obvious choice. If the ocean is so smart. Why didn't it just take the heart back itself? And I think that's another question that a lot of atheists say. Well, why didn't God just do everything himself? Why did we have to have the crucifixion or the church and all stuff like that? But in this scene, we see that Moana clearly was not chosen because she is like Liam Neeson with a particular set of skills. Mm-hmm. She's chosen because in the moment that it comes down to it, she is able to show compassion to someone who is far more powerful than her and is even trying to kill her. She answers hatred with love. And that is why she was chosen for this. That whole adventure all came down to this moment where she was able to love in the face of death. And I think this is even supported in the beginning of the movie when she is first called by the ocean after she's helping save this baby turtle who's being attacked by birds. 
So even as an infant, Moana was already showing others love and compassion by respecting and protecting life. And through it all, I love that throughout the story, what was most necessary for life and what was the key to all the problems in the story itself was a heart, the heart of Tefiti. And I think there are some obvious comparisons of love showing that that love leads to life and the absence of love leads to death and sin, especially since we know that God is, is love. And so God is life and the absence of God is sin and death. But I also thought about how when DNA samples are taken of Eucharistic miracles, they found that the samples are all heart tissue. So in this way, the answer to restoring the life again after this fall uh, of stealing the heart of Tefiti from when the death and sin entered into the world, the answer is the Eucharist, which we as, as Catholics believe is the continuation and participation in Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. And so it nourishes us and brings us life spiritually, just like the heart being returned in the story brings life back to the world. So when she returns, there is new life and new joy in the, the village. So when she goes back to her island, there's all this joy. The darkness is gone. And they actually work to unite the old traditions and the voyagers together, just like we had talked about in last week's episode. And we see in the end of the movie after Moana places her seashell on top of the pile of rocks that we talked about in last week's episode. This symbolizes her acceptance of the role of chief, but we also see in the background ships in the lagoon that are clearly too small to leave the lagoon. They're fishing ships, so that represents the tradition of the island. But we also see the big ships that are the voyagers. So in that scene, we see Moana's taking of her role as chief. We see the traditions of the island and the traditions of the voyagers all in one shot. And I think that really just summarizes the movie right there. This connection of the old traditions and the new coming together in this beautiful harmony that is the church. So with that, just a reminder that our faith is not an either or, but a both and. So yes, we encounter Christ in the fun worship music, but we also encounter him in the beautiful liturgies and the traditions of our ancestors and the saints. We encounter him and find life in the sacraments. Give any challenges for this week? Yeah. So I think my challenge this week is to answer the call. Mm. As simple as that. So we've we've established that the call is to go out and share mm -hmm. what we found in, in our tradition, whether it be leaning more to the conservative or to the progressive side of things. But we are called to take that and go off of our island. So my challenge to you is this week, choose someone specifically and answer that call. Yeah. Talk to someone about what we believe and, and share that. Uh, share the heart of Tefiti and bring life to them. And Good I deal. think a really important way to do that is, like you said earlier, through their friendships and relationships. Cool. Thank you for tuning in for another week, y'all. Make sure that you email us, text us, Facebook us, let us know what you're reading, what you're watching. Okay, so shout-outs. Clint, do you have any shout-outs this week? I do. I actually want to give shout-outs to the good friends who gave me the Moana dolls that we have on the table. So my friends from the Pines who mm -hmm. gave them to me. 
Mm-hmm. So I want to give a shout out to the Egan family, who is actually uh, John Egan's the director of the Pines. Thank you from the Egan family for giving me those. I don't know if y'all, y'all even listen, but yeah, hopefully you do. Shout out to Sarah Matler, who loves Hey Hey more than anything. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know she that. like loves Hey Hey. Huh. So shout out to you. Shout out to I don't really know if anyone new is listening. I mentioned this podcast to Catherine. So if you're listening, shout out. And any uh, anyone that I met in Phoenix while mm-hmm. I was over in Phoenix, yeah, handed out a lot of our business cards there. So good deal. If any of y'all from the CYMC conference are listening now, thanks for yeah listening and checking out the business card. So please be sure to subscribe, email us, Facebook us, text us. Share us, please. Yeah, find us in person. Please don't stalk us. Let us know what you're reading, what you'd like us to do a podcast about. Give us your feedback. This is our shiny. Uh, (laughs) So help us out. We really do love you guys, and we pray for you, and we hope that you're praying for us too because we definitely need it in, in our call. So appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the adventure.